0: Good morning. How are we all doing? Great. All right. Good, good, good. Well, I think we're coming into a time in, uh, of a season of life where everybody's just kind of a little on edge. We have differences of, of, of opinions. There's things that are happening. I'm not talking about vaccines and stuff. I'm talking about when to play Christmas music, <laughs> right? So this is like the divisive time. Do you play it before Thanksgiving, after uh, I want to just put a picture up really quick. This is uh, me and my boys. You kind of can see it. Uh, a week and a half ago, we put our Christmas tree up. <laughs> so we're on that side of the, of the conversation. And uh, we were sitting there, it was like a Friday and a half ago, and we were like, what do you want to do today? And he was like, let's put our Christmas stuff up. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Alexa, play Christmas classics, and the Christmas music going, and we're like getting stuff out, and it was fun, and then that, that Tuesday night, um, Troy, who leads our youth uh, ministry, and some other youth leaders came over, and he, he comes into my house. We also put all of our Christmas lights up on the outside of our house, too. My neighbor, uh, Dan, he was like, it's a free country. You can do what you want. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess so, and um, then my, uh, Troy comes over. He just comes in my house. He just looks at me with this look, if he's watching right now. You know that look, Troy, and I was like, "Are you mad at me?" He's like, "I, I don't even want to talk about it." And he just went down to my basement, and I was like, oh, "I'll talk to you a little bit." So, um, so, we are in that time, right? Well, we are in this series called uh, "Fresh Focus of Thanks," and we're talking about um, how our hearts and our minds have this fresh focus of thanks—not just the superficial kind of like, "Oh yeah, I'm thankful for this, thankful for that," which is good. We're trying to get a little bit deeper um, into just what the Lord is doing in our heart status when it comes to a heart of thankfulness or a heart of gratitude. And we are coming up to the the, the Thanksgiving time. And I don't know about you, but usually within our family tradition, we do a time where we go around the table and we say something that we're thankful for. Now, this can uh, cause a lot of different emotions in that. For one, it might be anxiety. It's like, wait, I have to talk? Like, I have, to, I have to share something in front of everybody? Like, I don't want to do that. Or it might be actually, like, anger. You're like, man, this year has not been great. Like, I'm in a hard season. Like, thankful? Like, no, thank you. Pass the green bean casserole. You don't even <laughs> want to go down that road. Or, or it could be embarrassment. If you're like, wait, I, just, I, I, have a, I have a blank right now. Like, I'm drawing a blank. And You're looking around the table, and you're like, I see butter and turkey and bread. I'm thankful for turkey and butter bread. And you're just like, you know, or else it could be like, this is your moment where you have this whole 10-slide PowerPoint presentation of why you're thankful this year, and you kind of just go for it, right? Well, our perception of thankfulness, a lot of time, can really steer the ship of our heart and our mind and our, and, our, and our soul when it comes to not only how we view God, but how we view His kind of place in our life and His work in our life and how we can be witnesses of his gospel to the people that he has called us to be witnesses to. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, and this was one of our uh, verses this last week in our uh, thankfulness reading plan, Um, and it says this. This is Paul talking to the church, and he says, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace, and always be thankful. So he's kind of putting this theme in there right away. The next verse let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And so right here, Paul is just again and again saying, like, hey, be all about Jesus. As a person, this is to the church, this is to Christ followers that he is writing to. He's like, let the message of Christ be all that you do, but then three separate times he's like, and be thankful, and be thankful. So part of being a Christ follower is having a heart of gratitude, having a heart of thankfulness. And I think sometimes this probably doesn't get noticed as much as it should within the church, just within how we live our lives. But Paul is, again, reminding the church, like, it's about being thankful. It's living out our lives for Jesus, but that usually is going to have a heart of thankfulness attached to it. It's kind of like Christianity almost 101. Live like Jesus lived and be thankful. That's kind of what Paul almost boils down a lot of these things to. He's always talking about being like Jesus, live like him, grow in his love and his forgiveness and his peace, but always be thankful. Now, this morning, I want to take some of this theme, but also put it into um, a narrative in the Gospel of Luke, in, in a story that Jesus is a part of, in Luke chapter 17, of this heart condition when it comes to being thankful, and our response to God when things happen, like blessings happen in our life, and how we respond to that, and kind of our core heart value of thankfulness. And in this context of Luke chapter 17, Luke, who wrote this gospel, has a couple of different stories and occurrences all kind of weaved together that bring about this main theme that no one is too good, no one's too bad for Jesus, like anyone can be saved, anyone can be healed, but he's also putting this, this truth that no one is above Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we are saved, that we are healed He alone is the one that changes lives. And everything that happens in our lives should point back to Jesus. So I believe this section of Scripture that we're going to get into is going to help us get a fresh focus of thanks. And have a fresh focus of thankfulness when it comes to our lives as Jesus followers. I think it might push on us a little bit in this conversation. I know it pushed on me a ton when I was even writing this this last week and just, just praying through the scripture. I was like, oh man, this is some good stuff, man. I'm like, ah! And so I think it might make us a little like, ooh, okay, okay. So I wanna pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to understand just what the Lord is speaking through this section of scriptures. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> we just come before you with humility and like we sang earlier, um, we, d- we just surrender. We just surrender a lot of our own uh, agendas, our own perceptions, and we say, you, Lord, our Lord, and we just surrender to that. And so Jesus, open our hearts and our minds to, to hear your truth through your spirit, and through your word, and um, Lord, speak through me this morning. Let it be your words and not mine, and um, we again just give you thanks and praise, because um, it's only from you that we are saved. We, like, we just did communion, Lord. Um, we are thankful that you gave your, your, your life, that your blood was, was, was poured out, that we could be saved, and we can have freedom and hope and salvation. And so we give you thanks and praise in that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in Luke 17, and I'll have the scriptures on the screen um, behind me. We're going to start in verse 11. And this is a story of Jesus healing uh, 10 individuals with leprosy and kind of their response from this miracle and this occurrence. I think a lot of us probably understand and know what leprosy is, and it's a skin disease that can attack the nervous system, um, but really, it's like this snowball of medical effects because, yeah, there's some definite like sores and things that can happen, but really, you start to lose feeling in your extremities, and you can get hurt, and more, more infections happen, it kind of just snowballs and snowballs, and all of a sudden, it's like, you're not in too good of shape at all, and it's kind of a, it's a bad thing. Um, it's pretty much non-existent in our current world, except for in India, it's still somewhat rampant. Um, and it doesn't spread actually super like fast, it's just that if you don't know how to treat it, it'll just keep kind of going. And in the ancient world, they didn't know how to quite treat leprosy, so they just would isolate people, quarantine them essentially, and kind of kick them out of society. So if you had leprosy, it, it was a physical ailment, but really, it was like a social death sentence, when it came to you having leprosy. You kind of would say goodbye to what you knew, your structure of society, your job, your family, even your practice of faith to some extent. Now, the the Jews actually had a system uh, in place for people who had a skin disease or had leprosy and actually started to improve. They had a system of going back to the priest's Having some inspections by the priest, and they would do some uh, rituals and some sacrifices, and they would be basically welcomed back in to the community because they've been purified. God like took their disease, took their sin, and they are now made holy again. And it's actually really fascinating. It's in Leviticus chapter fourteen. It's like a whole chapter, like a long chapter, not like a short chapter, but like a long chapter devoted to what to do with somebody who is healed with leprosy and kind of the the process of bringing them back into community. Well, what's also interesting in the Gospel of Luke is here in chapter 17, Luke writes about these people with leprosy. He also talks about it in Luke chapter 5. Luke is a doctor himself in the ancient world, so I think he was fascinated with the miracle of healing of people with leprosy because he highlights this more than the other Gospels of people being healed of this skin disease. I think he probably studied it. He probably cared for people who had leprosy. And he witnessed and sees and and hears stories of these individuals being healed. So he includes it here a couple of times in his gospel. So we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 17. We're going to see what happens here and just Jesus' response to these people leprosy and then also their response back to him as well. So Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now this is kind of important right here. He's in this no man's land. Samaria, they're not Jews, and the Jews actually viewed them as like unclean, kind of foreigners, like less than people. And then Galilee is a Jewish community. So he's like right in between these two areas, kind of just like, there's not a whole lot going on right there. But he enters a village there, And 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. So most likely this village was probably like a quarantine area for a bunch of like people who had leprosy. But we know that 10 men came out and they cried out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them, this is Jesus, and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. What's interesting about this right here is Jesus actually doesn't directly heal them. He doesn't lay his hands on them. He doesn't verbalize like you are healed, which he does in all the other occurrences. He just says, hey, go show yourselves to the priests, which is the start of the process in in, uh, Leviticus chapter 14. Like go to the priest, have him inspect you, and do all the rituals and things. You can be restored back to community. But it says, as they went, they were cleansed, Of their leprosy. So that's something to note. Like right away, Jesus actually wasn't directly involved. Now, verse 15. One of them, when he saw this, that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. This is one of those foreigners, one of those people that was like unclean, so to speak. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Other translation says your faith has saved you, which is a little more accurate because the Greek tense right here is talking about how this individual was not only restored physically and healed physically, but like their whole person was also saved. So their, their soul, like salvation, basically came to this guy. So his faith has saved him, his faith in what Jesus Christ has done. So there's a few things going on here that I want us to kind of dive into. Uh, the first one that I always have a question on, and you might be thinking the same thing, is the other nine. We don't hear much about them. Like, are they bad people? My first question is, like, are they going to hell? Like, what? Like what's going on here? Like, eh. No, not, not necessarily at all. They were Jews, and they were essentially following the directions that Jesus gave them, like go to the priest and follow all of those steps. We don't really know anything else besides that. They just kept going on towards a local priest to have the inspection, all those things. But I think if we dig a little bit deeper, we can maybe get into some of the heart context that might have been going on. So these men earlier, like we read in, in verse 11 and 12, came to <clears throat> excuse me came to Jesus begging for mercy being a leper they probably had heard stories of other people with leprosy being healed they probably understood like whoa Jesus means like i get my ticket punched like i am out of here like this is this is my this is my moment this is my time like they understood that Jesus is a healing force So they came out, right, begging for mercy, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, because they understood who Jesus was, that he was the source of healing, and especially for those affected with leprosy. They're like, there's no other cure for this right now. Like, you are the only one. They were also, again, in that no-man's land between Galilee and Samaria, which means they were ostracized. They weren't really in any type of community. They had their little community, but It wasn't what they were used to being a part of. Their level of hope was probably at an all-time low. And they see Jesus, right? And they're like, "This this is our chance. This is our chance to get healed, to get out of here. So they cry out to them. They cry out to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Go to the priest. It's probably a little anticlimactic for those individuals. They probably maybe had this, like, moment played out in their head like, oh, I can't imagine if Jesus came, I would just run and leap, and he would heal me, and it would just be amazing. But what happened, he just said, go go to the priest. But I think what we have to also understand is as they were walking, it had to have been dramatic. It says as they were walking, they were healed. Let's think about a person with leprosy, boils, scabs, sores, There could have been fingers missing, toes missing, like horrible things, bandages all over the place. So, as they were walking, all that just started getting healed. Like, there could have been a finger growing back. Like, all these boils that they're used to seeing on, on each other's faces just close up. And it's better than any makeup commercial you see online or whatever. You know, it's like those weird, like, dry, like, desert things. They put a little drop of, like, Neutrogena or whatever it is, and it's like, perfect. I was like way better than that. Like, and they kind of like, whoa, like we're being healed. And what we know is the, the, the Samaritan was like, dude, this is crazy. And he's freaking out. So he immediately just turns 180 and comes right back to Jesus. And he's like, there, I'm healed. Like there's a miracle happening. And you are the source of that miracle, Jesus. Like it's you. It's got to be you. The other nine, they kept going on to what they wanted to do, and that was to go to the priest and have their community restored. The Samaritan was like, no, you are the source. I believe the other nine knew Jesus had healed them because they already declared that. They're like, you are our healer. Like, have mercy on us. They knew deep down inside who was the author of this miracle. But they chose to continue on to pursue the ceremonies that would help them return back to the community within their Jewish faith. There's not a wrong or bad thing, but I think this is where it gets a little bit harder and a little bit more personal when it comes to just this heart of thankfulness. And I believe where this story can give us a fresh focus of thanks. The nine really cared more about their own status and their own immediate needs, showing that Jesus was just a means to an end. They were like, he's just part of the process that I needed to get back to what I wanted, which is just community, back with my Jewish friends. Not a bad thing, but they are just showing that they just needed Jesus to get them back to what they wanted. It was kind of their agenda with it. But I think what they say and kind of what they do here is when they focused on what they wanted, they lost sight of Jesus, They literally lost sight of him. They kept going away from Jesus when they went with their agenda, with what they wanted after a miracle occurred, after this miraculous event happened. They kept going away from Jesus. The Samaritan was like, no, I'm going back to Jesus like full on because he's saying basically Jesus is my end. Like he is my all in all. Like it is from him, it is through him that this miracle occurred. And so I'm going to give him honor and praise because he is the source of all healing and everything. And what we see is Jesus says, hey, your, your faith has saved you. Like, he honors that. He doesn't, like, dishonor the other nine. He just kind of gives a response of, like, wasn't there nine other people? Uh, kind of like, man, they, they, they're kind of missing the main point here. He wasn't mad at them or, like, they're horrible people. He was like, dang, the hearts are just not right, quite ready to understand who I am, to be a part of their life. What we also see in Luke 17 is in this context in the verses before, Jesus talks with his disciples. And he kind of gives them this teaching moment that it's not about our agenda, it's about the Lord. God is higher than what we want, and so we got to just kind of surrender to that, like we sang earlier this morning. we got to just surrender to that truth that God is ultimate in our lives, and he is the one who deserves all of our thanks, all of our praise, and all that we do. And this is kind of like, for Luke, right in this gospel, like his real-world example of that truth. And he's like, well, here it is in action, the story of Jesus healing these ten lepers. I think when, when good things happen, we have to ask ourselves, how do we recognize this? How do we recognize God in this situation When a miracle or God's story occurs in our lives, how do we view that event? And I believe our response of thanks can reveal the place of Jesus in our life. I think this is like the hard part where it starts like push, and you're like, "What? Like I'm a thankful person. Like I love Jesus. Like He's number one." You start to maybe dig a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And those Jews who were who were healed. They're not bad people. They love the Lord, their God. They're going through the process, but they just missed the ultimate part of it for Jesus to be the ultimate Lord of their life in that moment. This is where the heart comes into play because we might intellectually believe this, but we might not have moved that truth from the head down into our heart. When we lose sight of Jesus, We don't view situations through the lens of Jesus. We lose sight of being thankful. And that's why Paul, in all of his letters, continually reminds the church, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Because we get distracted with our agenda, with what's happening in our current here and now. And we can easily forget about the big picture. So Paul is trying to say, hey, church, be thankful. Come on back, come on back. I think some of the signs that this is occurring, it's like the the check engine light within our heart is complaining and grumbling, which is like the opposite of a thankful heart. And I'm not saying that the guys who were healed had a complaining or grumbling heart. I'm talking now for us in 2021 as we're processing through things in our life, in our situations. Recently, we had a, a conference with our four square churches in our denomination and our president spoke, and he spoke about this, about the difference between grumbling and groaning. And how grumbling is this like complaining, just kind of just like ah, 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 just nagging, nagging, and always seeing the negative. Where groaning, the word tells us, the Holy Spirit helps us groan for things in life that are just hard. We say, like, Lord, like I am, I'm heartbroken right now. For this person in my life. And I'm heartbroken for our, our next generation. And Lord, like, just give us opportunities to, to preach your love to them. And complaining or grumbling is just like, I can't believe these people. They're doing this, they're doing that. Like, oh my gosh, they're on their phones constantly. They're up doing this. Like, it's just, it's just out of control. And I feel like when we start to maybe have some of that grumbling and complaining heart set, that's like that check engine light of like, whoa, how's your heart, man? Like, how's it going? Like, we might need to just take a step back. Just have a quick check. Quick check of where we're at right now. Like, where's, where's Jesus at in this process? Like, we seem to surrender some things to him really quick. Have a quick prayer of forgiveness. Just kind of just resettle where we're at. I think that's what this story is helping us understand. Is when it comes to things that are happening in our life, we got to remember to put Christ as our number one in the good and in the bad, but especially when when those things of miracles of life are happening, we have to remember it's all for Jesus. And if we're starting to see our lives grumble and complain, that's that check engine light. And even right now, um, I believe we have the best opportunity to be thankful in our circumstances. You're like, wait, there's not miracles happening. Have you seen what happened in 2020 and 2021? Like, this world is nuts. It is crazy and I, I agree with you in that. Like, it is crazy. It is nuts. But there's still amazing opportunities and miracles that are happening. And for us to not only be thankful for those opportunities, but to leverage them for his gospel. So right now, I believe prayers are being answered for the Church of America. For, for years, there was conferences and conventions and all sorts of things about, like, Lord, give us opportunities to preach your gospel and to love people well. I think those prayers are being answered like right now. Like we are in a time where it's kind of, you do whatever you want to do. And we're seeing a lot of open-ended things happen. And what we're seeing is people are more unhappy, more depressed, and kind of without hope. This is a perfect opportunity for the church to insert themselves and to leverage just the simple gospel of who Jesus is, his hope and his peace that's everlasting and his forgiveness and his love. A lot of times, though, we kind of default to this, like, I can't believe our society is doing this right now. Like, this is crazy. Like, they are off the rocker. And we kind of complain, and we grumble, and we just blah, blah, blah. But man, what about the other side? Like, thank you, Jesus, that we have these opportunities to preach hope, and to preach love, and to preach peace, and to preach salvation, who Jesus is. And I think something I ask myself is, like, do I believe that Jesus has placed me in this time of history to be his witness. The same question for you like do you believe that Christ has placed you here in this time in 2021 for a reason? I believe the answer is always yes. So one of our things is are we are we thankful for our current environment? Are we seeing Jesus as above it all? And I think as Christians in 2021, we can strive for what we want to accomplish in the immediate and like the nine lepers They were striving for a restoration of the temporal. They wanted just what their life was about to be restored. They weren't seeing like the bigger picture that this is Jesus right here. This is the author of life. This is more than just your physical healing. This is like your forever healing, your spiritual healing. So are we looking for just the temporal? Are we going above that and seeing, man, there is something greater and bigger, and I'm thankful for that. That we're not striving for what we want, but that we're simply returning back to Jesus in every occasion to give thanks and praise to him, that he is at work, and that he is always the source of our miracles, of our healing, and in the middle of chaos, he is the peace that helps calm the storms. So Jesus is doing something bigger and greater than what we can imagine. So are we going like the Samaritan back to Jesus and say like, yep, It's all about you, and I give thanks and praise because you are the one that's restoring hope to this world. I believe what we're seeing here is thankfulness is more than just saying a few good words, it's recognizing Jesus at the center of all that we do. And if we're going to take a fresh focus of thanks, we need to refocus where our hearts are at with life in general. And so like back to that story with with the 10 lepers, we see the nine kind of just more preoccupied with what they wanted to accomplish. The Samaritan, he was like, no, it's about Jesus. My heart of thankfulness is always about Jesus. I think in this season of life, that's a challenge for us. So I think we had those questions up earlier, but we just ask ourselves, like, "Am am I a grumbler? Am I worried more about what I need? And do I lose sight of Jesus? Am I thankful for my current situation? And am I choosing praise? And I believe we have a great opportunity as a church to kind of right the ship when it comes to being a witness for Jesus and to truly be an advocate for his gospel in every context that we have. Where sometimes people see that the church is maybe being like the grumbling force in society of just like, I'm just mad about this and mad about that and nothing's good, nothing's great. But more of saying, wow, this is a great opportunity to return back to Jesus and to bring hope to a hopeless world and to truly be thankful for every circumstance and to leverage that for his kingdom. I wanna go back to Colossians three sixteen just real quick. So again, Paul says this, let the message about Christ In all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now in this moment, we just come before you with a heart of gratitude, with a heart of thankfulness. Lord, we're all going through different times. We're all going through different things, different hurts, different pains, different blessings. Help us to be reminded that you are at work in all those things. Help us be reminded that when those miracles occur, that's all from you and it's all for you. It's an opportunity to give you praise and thanks. And that we would keep our sight on you. So Jesus, we simply just say, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in our our world. In The moments where it seems like it's hopeless, Lord, we know that you are working and you've called us to be your workers in that. So Lord, we we are thankful for living where we live. We are thankful that you've given us opportunities to be a witness for you, to be a witness for your love and your hope and your forgiveness and your peace and all the things you provide, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I also want to remind us, um, on your chair, there was a few of those little cards, those thankfulness cards. Out in the commons, we have that little banner uh, thing. You can write some things that maybe you've been thinking about, um, so maybe some deeper heart things to be thankful for. Maybe it's even just like, I'm thankful for the hard time I'm going through because it's allowing me to focus on you, Jesus. I think sometimes we think thankfulness should only be like the good things, like I'm thankful for the new car I got. Like, that's great. It's a blessing. But I think we're all seeing with this fresh focus of thanks. Let's get down to that lower area of like, where is that heart of thankfulness at with it? So, so take that, use it, pin it up on the, the board if you want to. And um, then next week, we have our service of thanks. It'll be a time for just the, the church family just to share some, some things, some testimonies of what God's been doing in our lives. So, all right. Well, thank you guys so much. Know that Jesus loves you. So does our staff here at Chini Faith Center, and especially Mark and Kate. They really love you guys. I always want to make sure. <laughs> every, every single time I have to kind of do a little something with it. But um, And yeah, we will see you uh, next week.